I'm Abhijat Saraswath, and this is Fringe Legal, a collection of conversations with innovators on how to put ideas into practice. Each episode is a discussion with a changemaker who shares their ideas, insights, and lessons from their journey. Recently, we released a report on no code. It talks about what is no code, specifically from the perspective of legal and aimed at legal professionals. Within the report, it does define what it means, what no code is, what problem it solves, the impact, who are some of the key players, and a lot more. You can find that at fringelegal.com. And today I wanted to take an opportunity to speak to one of the leading players in the space, Nyota. And I'm excited to have Jackson on the show so he can give us his perspectives. And Jackson, thank you so much for joining me. Well, Ari, glad to be back. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, for anyone who has been a longtime listener of Fringe Legal, Jackson, a guest on season one of the podcast, which is now, I think, over two years ago. So it's certainly been a long time. So he is a returning guest of the show, and I'm excited to have him here. Uh, Jackson, would you mind just introducing yourself? Um, tell us a little bit about who is Neota and what do you do there? I am the chief commercial officer at Neota, and you might know us previously as Neocologic, but we have gone through a bit of a rebrand and we are, we got rid of the logic part and now we are known as Neota. And Neota, if I like to say based myself, is the leading no-code platform. We provide our customers with a no-code platform that allows them to build digital solutions themselves. And what's quite unique about Neota is that the solution that you are able to build can be a combination or a silo of one of three capabilities, expertise automation, workflow automation, document automation. And Neota goes that extra step in being quite unique in the no-code market in that we have a data management layer, which I'm happy to talk about later on, that connect all three of those capabilities together that fall under this overarching umbrella of no-code development. So yeah, we'll definitely dig into the the data element, but to just to set a benchmark, hopefully people have an idea of what no-code is, and but it is something that both within legal and outside has been increasing in popularity at a bare minimum chatter. You hear a lot more about it as an industry. It's growing significantly. There are some players out there which arguably may or may not be classed as no-code tools, but often are like Airtable and so on, which are more generalist tools. From your perspective, and if I can just focus on legal, let's call it professional services, what problem does no-code or Neota solve for your customers? So you mentioned those sort of three pillars, my words. Um, what problem are people actually looking to solve with no code? Yeah, so we'll focus on the professional service side first. And obviously, as you say, that's legal and non-legal. But Neota's customer-based professional services falls quite distinctly between legal and non-legal. However, what they're doing, so when I say non-legal, I'm talking about consulting firms, big four accounting firms. And when I say legal, obviously, it's traditional um you know, and more 100 firm, magic circle terms in the UK. Their approach to no code is quite similar in that there is two distinct pathways 
or two distinct ways of thinking about no code. One way is using no code to create efficiencies in health, whether that's automating specific processes, whether that's looking at how we create some efficiencies around onboarding, creating some efficiencies around collecting data from knowledge sources, things like that. And then the other stream of thinking when it comes to no code for professional service firms is how can we leverage no code and technologies and solutions that are built within no code to enhance our standard service delivery. And they do that in two ways. Um, one way is they build digital solutions, standalone digital solutions, which they then would either market as a sort of free use tool, or they would charge a, a one-off fee, a subscription fee for their customers to access. And, and normally what we see is they get up a business, um, you, you're thinking aerospace, um, clipper tents and uh, applied solutions, those types of entities where they have a thought out, a, way, a well thought out digital uh, strategy when it comes to marketing and commercializing these solutions they are building through no code. The other, so this sort of revenue generating, commercializing the outputs of, of no code platforms is this idea of enhancing their standard legal service delivery. What we're seeing there in, in particular is when they are pitching work with the inclusion that they have this no-code platform as part of their tech stack, and they are able to build solutions quite quickly that will make their standard service delivery um, stand out from the rest. I can provide you with tax services as part of our standard letter of, of engagement with you. But what's quite different between us and maybe someone else is picking for the same work is that we also use this no-code platform where we can build out solutions that will either um, help you directly mm -hmm. um, with your tax department tax work, or it will help us deliver work for you more efficiently and in a way that what we call you know, digitally. I think that is a point of difference for a lot of these professionals when they're delivering work and picking work. Yeah, and probably not a secret. I'm a huge proponent of no-code tools. I have experience of a lot of no-code tools outside of legal, and I enjoy them because I'm able to experiment and iterate on ideas and be able to deliver something much, much quicker than maybe I could five years ago. And that could just be a different landing pages in my experience, but also what you might experience as a client portal or apps and things of that nature, and some, some of what you're alluding to. So it, it sounds like for your customers, they're able to, of course, win more business uh, by being more competitive in that not only can we do what everyone else can do and what you're envisioning, but if it comes down to it, we're able to create more unique workflows, if I'm understanding you correctly, that you maybe you don't know yet. So people may have an idea of this is how we deliver X, Y, and Z, but as you do more discovery, you dig deeper and more use cases come up, you're then able to be agile and adjust accordingly and say, you know what, we don't have something today that can do this, but we have the technology to be able to create a way to deliver what you want. And it, it sounds like, again, please tell me if I'm wrong. It sounds like from a firm perspective, you're able to then start creating this potentially either value add or a separate 
stream of revenue. So whether it's a one-off charge or a free tool that maybe could be used for business development. Is that fair? Am I making things up? Yeah, no, I think you're exactly right. The, the, the value add component, I think it's quite important. And I know we're sticking to professional service firms. You can expand it. I just want to stand there just because that's where my expertise is. So I think professional service firms, definitely the value add component to the market facing stream or the market facing use of no code is really important. An example I can give you is that we have a, a, a watchful law firm who has a, a partner who is doing some work around cryptocurrency and they want, they provide compliance services, advice services for individuals, high network, families, companies on the, the regulations around cryptocurrency and what they want. And, and they could provide that advice through phone calls, through letters of advice, through email. But they want to, what, what they want to do, though, is, is take that probably a, a step further and maybe differentiate their advice from some of their competing law firms. And they want to build a solution through no code that provides their customers with, with a one-stop shop. If you picture a world map or you picture a map of the US, and they can go through and they can click on a particular state, a particular country, and they can go... I want to know what my tax obligations are for cryptocurrency, if I sell it, capital gain, et cetera, in, in that jurisdiction with particular facts applied to the laws of that jurisdiction. And I can get all of that through this purpose-built solution that, that the fourth one built through through the uh, the Neoda NoCo platform. So things like that, ideas like that, I think are, are critical to not only the advancement of no code and, and, and not only the advancement of, of Neota, obviously, but also how law firms think about delivering legal services going forward. I think that there's this idea of, and we can, we can talk at this at length, this idea of billable hours, this idea of traditional methods of, of service delivery, advice delivery. I think that largely, and, and people will have opposing thoughts to this, I think largely that will remain unchanged going forward and, and, and hopefully it, it, it will change to some extent. But to see ideas like that coming out of very traditional white food firms, for me, is quite a big step. And they're not looking at those solutions to replace the global hour. They're not looking at those solutions to replace just traditional interactions with customers. But they're thinking outside the box. And they're thinking of ways to differentiate themselves with others. And I think that's a pretty big step. And, and, and if it takes no code to get them there, then I think that's a major step and, and advantage for, for, for this market that we fit in, this no code, this no code market. Yeah. And you started touching on a good segue for me, which is, you know, we, we talked about the problem that you're solving, why you want to think about solving it. So the impact I'm curious about what some of your predictions might be where the let's call it the market is heading right there as i look at no code as a concept as an idea uh, it seems to be increasing in popularity which means there are increasing number of players some of them are 
targeting enterprises and larger organizations and general use cases, right? So they can do a number of different things. They're much more flexible. And there are also some very specific players in the market as well. And that's good. But where do you think things are heading uh, in the future? So if you had to, if I give you a magic wand, uh, and if you look at some of the leading and lagging indicators, where do you think things are headed? And I'll be happy to share some of my my views as well. Absolutely. I, I think for me, yeah, there was this Forrester article I was reading the other day, and it was quite an old article on on, on no code and the rise of no code. And it, I think it was 2019 that came out. And they said, we'd said no code today is an aspiration and only sometimes a reality. We're now three years from that article. And I would say progress in terms of no code has come significantly, especially how people see what no code is. If we're really pedantic about what no code is, no code has been around for ages. Yeah, it's early days of, you know, WordPress, Excel, spreadsheet, no code approach to building websites, things like that. That's all considered no code. I think where we are or where we need, as a company, Neoda wants to sit, it's this idea of allowing subject matter experts, allowing companies to really take advantage of what the term citizen development actually. I think people get a little bit overwhelmed or, or, or quite skeptical around this concept of citizen development. And they, they instantly, IP looks at it and goes, well, I don't think that, that, that's quite true. Others in the company who were quite used to traditional aspects of, well, if I need something developed, I need to look at, I need to look at the IP team to be able to develop this, this thing that I want to create. Mindset shift is the biggest thing for me when it comes to no code and significant development. And I, I've written about this before. I talk about this at length. If you look at feature development when it comes to no code, again, a little plug for Neota. I would say we are quite ahead of the pack, especially in the legal industry. We're slowly getting there with some of the bigger enterprise players in terms of features. But I'm not, we're not resting on our models here. We understand that this, the players who are catching up to us will have similar features to what we have. Features are not, they're not unique to any platform. It's just whether you've been around long enough you have enough resources to dedicate to it to be able to build it within your platform. So that's not unique in any way. What I think is unique is how you tackle on trying to work with your customers to fit that mindset, to really utilize no-code platform and to take them on a journey. No-code, what I've learned probably along the way, the hard way in you know, the five, six years I've been in this industry, is that no-code platform is not a sell, if we use sales terms, it's not a point solution sell where you sell it, you sign the contract, and you say, good luck. You know, good luck to pay up the monthly fee, off you go, happy, every, ha happy days. No-code is not that. No-code is the idea that the sales journey starts and ends together. And what I mean by that is... And a customer journey is a huge thing for me now. And I think a, a big point of difference. We have to be on that journey with the customer, supporting them to really, for them to realize the value of what they just bought. 
because it seems to be what we're selling as a no-code platform are a set of tools. And we then need to focus on what I always refer to as the soft side of support, thinking about use cases, thinking about service delivery models. We, we've talked at length about how can we support our customers so that they have an idea of what service delivery model they want to pursue when it comes to no code. And then how are they set up for success internally? Do they have people there? We, at Neosa, for example, we have a, uh, a, a, a process where we work with the customer to understand what they want to achieve from the no-code platform. Is it they want to achieve self-service? It's this goal of building up capability internally so they can build themselves. Is it that they want to achieve a, a point solution very fast so they come to us and we scope, we project manage, we build the solution for them, which otherwise would take them, say, a year, we can do in three or four months because we are experts. Or are they after a hybrid solution where they want half of self-service and the other management delivery, for example. And the approach to that is very different. So if they want self-service, for example, we have to guide them on that journey. What are the resources? How are the resources split up? How is How are you managing your, your project management framework, your iteration framework? How are you managing your use case pipeline? Do you have a pipeline use case right. we're ready to go. So things like that, I think the mindset change will really make or break, not just the industry as a whole, but also all the players that are in this industry. Yeah, you, you covered a lot of the points which I wanted to ask you about, which is great. In terms of my predictions, just for what it's worth, I'll keep it shorter. Uh, you still, you did talk about citizen developers. What's really interesting is as I speak to developers about no code, we hear this in legal for sure, where lawyers are worried about technology taking their jobs. Guess what? Developers are worried about exactly the same thing. That you know, there is a very clear divide between no-code tools aren't really as robust or scalable or fill in the blanks. And there is fear in some, so with some people in the community where they're like, no-code tools are going to take our jobs. But I don't think that's true. I think it will help to stratify the talent in developers where you can use no-code tools to solve high-level problems and actually developers get to work on more complex items and build the no-code tools further. It means that there is a, I think it will lead to a movement in more niche tools because it allows an individual or smaller entities to actually build and compete with multi-million dollar enterprises without having to spend multi-million dollars in developing something to begin with, uh, which means hopefully it, it starts to see a shortened timeline from when an idea is invented or discovered or thought of and what you're able to bring to market as a commercial endeavor. So I think you talked about that at the beginning, right? Some of your clients are doing that today and being able to provide services that they can charge for, you can do that much faster now versus how you may have to sit there and pay a developer and a team and explain and project manage and do all of those other things. And lastly, it, it means that actually we'll start seeing even more diverse roles uh, within legal and elsewhere. We'll start seeing the chief automation officers or experts in no-code technologies and things of that nature emerging. They're not that common and there are people who certainly have 
specialties and mentioned technologies, including Neota for what it's worth, as something they have experience of or expertise in. But there will be people who are very much wired to be thinking in the way that is no code. But it's not all sunshine and rainbows. There are plenty of challenges, let's call it, uh, as with everything. And there are plenty of dissenting views as well. And I don't want to shy away from the dissenting views. I think it's important to think through them as well. So the two I hear most commonly when I talk about no code with individuals who know what it is, it's either it's not really no code. There, This is a layer. There's still code that you have to think through. And two, I think some people get the idea because it says no code and people think coding is difficult, that no code by abstraction is going to be easy. And I don't think it is. I think there is a learning curve with everything. And certainly you talked a lot about the mindset shift. So I'm curious about your views. I'm sure you hear these challenges a lot more than I do. Is no code easy? And what do you say about no code basically not being code? Um, because there is code. It's not just magic that's coming out of thin air. I think that relates quite heavily to the mindset that I was referring to before. On the on the question of is it really no code and, and it, you know, it, is it really easy to use a platform like Neosa or other no code platforms? I think there's probably two things that comes to play here. One is the persona of the user. So we as well as focusing on the mindset shift and the, the customer journey, we've also focused and invested quite heavily on design. And when people think of design, they automatically think of, well, the solutions that you build, is it looking quite good? No, when we say design, we mean user-centered design when it comes to a person coming in to the authoring environment of Neota as the no-code platform, how would they perceive the layout of certain things? How would they perceive the tools that are inherent in this no-code platform? And what we've come to realize, and this is a quite a long journey for us, is that historically we have been no-code and, and, and that's fine, but the persona that comes in, the persona of the person that ultimately uses Neota to build something, there is a specific persona that's required. Someone who is quite logical, analytical in thinking, someone who probably needs to know a little bit of coding terms, coding concepts, definitely, if not coding terms, definitely mathematical concepts. So all of that, I think, historically, is something that has been inherent in you. If I'm being honest with you and your listeners, Neota is always perceived and has been perceived as something that's quite traditional, quite, if I can so, out of date. And what we've done over the past three to four years, and, and this is led by our product team, our, our chief product officer, with the help of this team, and especially this user-centric focus on taking our product out of that old mindset and talk about mindset again and into this new one where it's how can we change that persona of someone who needs to be very analytical mathematical to really get the concept of how to use no code so how do we change that persona into a broader persona because ultimately if we are a true no code platform the definition of no code definition of citizen development that anybody can start to use it 
And that's the journey that we as a company has been on over the past three or four years, is how can we design this platform in a way which is more accessible to... Now, the caveat with all of that, and this is especially true when we deal with law firms and professional service firms, is that no matter how easy you make a no-code platform for the end user to use to build solutions, if you don't give that person time to upskill and time to maintain their skill set uh, once they're upskilled, no one's really ever going to be an expert in a no-code platform. And what I mean by that is, and, and going back to service delivery, customer journey the concept that I've been talking about before is if you want to be truly self-serving as a user of a no-code platform, you need to have resources and dedicated to uh, making that happen. And it's having dedicated builders, having dedicated, you know, business analysts to draw up the, 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 the workflows, the, the, the processes to for the architects, the, the, the builders to, to actually build within the platform. And you need those builders to, to focus their time on, on being able to be upskilled and, and continually using the actual platform so they don't lose their skill set. You can't have somebody come in, use it one day a week, drop it, come back three weeks later, and, and still think they can retain some of that skill set to, to building. Now, again, with that though, no code features and tool is divided, I think, in terms of ease of use. So you have, we have tools in the odor, and our competitors would have the same thing, where you can create some pretty simple stuff. If you want to create some forms, some logic, some questions, editors and footers, you know, go for your life. Anybody can come in and use, so we have Candid, our prototyping, our whiteboarding tool. Anybody can come in. Start building that. that I, I, I guarantee it. Now, however, if you want to get quite tricky with database structures, if you want to get quite, quite tricky with integration, you know, well, we have instances with the ability to apply logic across rows of data, so mm -hmm. tables of data. Now, that's when you're going to need a little bit of training and a little bit of working out yourself within the tools, how all that works. So I think the degrees for that. And what we try to do as part of the shift in the mindset is when we work with our customers, you need to have the right people, the right persona, I think at each day of mm. what you want to achieve in your journey. And the thing that where we see people make the most amount of mistakes is trying to do something really difficult, trying to do everything at the same time at the beginning. And that's what we try and work with the customers on to, to, to really work on that strategy to get whatever it is that they want to achieve from this no-code platform and help them to realize that because ultimately we are a different company. Our success is heavily reliant on the success of our customers and how they use and leverage the, the Neota platform. Yeah. And so much of that resonates. And this is a challenge that I would say probably every technology company has to battle with, which is how do you onboard users? How do you work through and identify training or needs based on different personas, right? And there is no one size fit all, certainly when you are talking about how to adopt a tool. And 
there is certainly a lot of there is a lot of thinking that needs to go through it and i would say for those listening to this and exploring this my two cents is generally for any no-code tool as jackson you were alluding to as well it's just understanding logic thinking through things in a logical way and if you have experience of development and data structures and and databases all of that that it just means you have some experience of thinking in that way right it's not that you have some special gift it just makes it a little bit easier and the good thing is a lot of honestly a lot of lawyers and people who trained or went to law school you don't have to be a lawyer uh law sometimes is thinking things in a very logical way so it's not that lawyers and legal professionals can't do it but it's actually being able to position things in a way where you can think of if then statements or loops and things of that nature i'm excited for the opportunity there's a lot of there's a lot of change happening i've seen some of the things that neota has done and as we wrap up i, I did want to just make sure about hey thank you jackson for your time providing insights and ask if people want to learn a bit more around no code and then specifically Neota, where's the best place for them to go? Our new refresh website is will be the first point of call. Otherwise, feel free to contact me. I can be reached on any of the social media channels and I'm sure you will but have my my contact details. Yeah, I'll I'll link that in with in the show notes as well as the link to the website. Yep. Yeah, yeah. You probably tell from the podcast that I do, I'm I'm a talker. So <laughs> anybody wants to have a chat about any other sort of stuff, I'm very uh, open to that. If it's one last thing that I want to leave you with and, and your listeners as well, is that my hope for no-code platforms and, and the potential for no-code is going forward. But my hope, and this is not just for Neota, but for everybody out there that's in this market, is for everybody to not just focus on the functionality that you have or the capability that you have in your platform. Obviously, that is very important. But when you do focus on, also focus on accessibility to those features and that's functionality. Because ultimately, if we really want no code to become prominent and become successful, features are important. But features will not really mean much if it's not accessible or usable by a broader group of people, group of, a broader group of users. And I think if you were, you know, to ask me where I'd hope to see the future of no-code develop, that's what I would hope to see with all the vendors that, that make up this, this ecosystem. Yeah, um, couldn't agree more. And then you can, uh, everyone listening, uh, the show notes will include Jackson's detail and some extra resources. And then you can read the full report, which gives a more macro view of, of the landscape at fringedeagle.com. And Jackson, thank you for coming back on to the Fringe Deagle podcast. Thank you very much. So that's it for today. I hope you enjoyed listening to that conversation as much as I did recording it. Before you go, if you like the show, then I know you'll love the Fringe Legal newsletter. It's full of interviews, articles, and reports to help legal innovators like yourself learn how to put ideas into practice and find success. You can sign up for free at fringelegal.com. The show was produced for Fringe Legal by Abhijat Sarasvath. A special thanks to our guest. And if you enjoyed the conversation, you can help me out by giving this podcast a five-star review and click that follow or subscribe button on your favorite podcast player of choice.
Until next time, stay well. <laughs>